Everyone is looking for purpose, for a life that matters, and we want to be a church that helps people find that. This is the Collective Church Podcast from a life-giving and vibrant new church right here in London, Ontario. Here's this past week's message from our pastor, Tyler Fromm. Good morning. Welcome to Collective Church, whether in person or engaging online. It is good to be together. It is good to see you and to be seen. Even for you, if you're online, I want you to know we have a team that's, that's there that wants to engage with you, that wants to remind you that you matter to us, whether you're in the room or not, that we're part of this Together, We've been in a series called The Way of Jesus, where we're engaging with and exploring with this new new way of life that Jesus offers us. Jesus does not come to, to give us some options, some things that we can add on, but instead gives us a different way of living. He changes our way of life completely. And so we're looking at that through the lens of Luke, who wrote the book of Luke and also the book of Acts. We're in Luke chapter 5, and I want us to engage with a a section in that that I think is important. If uh, If you grew up in the church or you've been around the church or maybe you're fairly familiar with praying in general, I wonder, have you ever noticed how people respond to prayer when things are not going well? Like typically, if someone is struggling and dealing with difficult things, if you as a Christian, even if they're not a Christian, if you go, can I pray for you? 99% of the time, their response is yes. Even if they don't believe, say, I don't believe in God, I don't believe in any of this, they're often open to prayer. Why? Because there's this part of them that goes, maybe, just maybe God offers some measure of hope. Just maybe, and if nothing else, what can it hurt? Like it can't hurt anything. If I, if I am prayed for, maybe God will answer, maybe he's real, and, and maybe he'll do something. We tend to be more desperate with our prayers when things are not going well. But then contrast it to when things are going well. When life is good, it's so interesting how quickly we forget those desperate prayers that we had from before. When things are going poorly for us as Christians, it typically drives us to our knees where we're praying and asking and pleading. But then when things are good, typically we go, oh yeah, I should, I should do that at some point. I mean, think about it even in your own lives. When things are really clipping, when things are going, maybe you're entrepreneurial and you started a business and it is blowing up. In that moment, is your first instinct to be praying regularly? Probably not. Maybe you got a new job and it's going really, really well. Your instinct is not probably to go back to those desperate prayers as you were, as you were looking for a job. Your instinct is to double down and to hustle in what you have to make sure that you milk it for all it's worth. If you're in a good season, you want to leverage that season. You don't want to take a break. You don't want to rest. You don't want to find a rhythm. You want to go, 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 go. That's where we're at culturally. And and the question becomes, is it working for us? And I would say generally not so much. We find in Jesus' way of life a different way of navigating this, a different way of navigating prayer when things are going well. Navigating prayer when things are clipping, when things are moving, when there is momentum. The the way of Jesus according to how Jesus actually lived is very different than that. In Luke 5, verse 15 to 16, it says this. But despite Jesus' instructions, the report of his power spread even faster, and vast crowds came to hear him preach and to be healed of their diseases. But Jesus often withdrew to the wilderness for prayer. Let's pray. God, I pray that in these moments that you would be the one that speaks. It's 
I don't want it just to be about exchanging information or we hear something and go, that's nice, but instead a holy moment of transformation. God, change us, change me, change all of us together as we sit at your feet, learn from you as we grow to become more and more like you. For the people in the room that are distant from you, I pray that you would speak directly to them, that you would draw them close. For the people in the room that feel distant from you, would you remind us that you are close? Speak to us. Breathe in this, breathe on these words and I pray and, and ask that you would move powerfully in our midst. God, we love you and need you. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so I just read a little section of Luke 5, 15 to 16, but what, what got us here? One of the things that we're doing as a church is we have a journal, and we have a journal that we're trying to do for each month, that we will have for each month, but it allows people to engage with scripture through the week, because if you are only engaging with the Bible once a week, you'll find yourself starving. You'll find that you're not as connected as you want to be. And so I want to make sure that as we gather in our co-groups through the week, as we're engaging by ourselves and as we're together on Sunday, that we have multiple opportunities to hear from God, to be reminded that he is at work and speaking to us. And if you look at Luke 5, if you're doing the journal, you'll see some of the things that brought us to this middle section that I just read. Jesus has called his first disciples So his disciples are the 12 men that he walks closely with, does ministry with, that get to see him over this three-year section in every single area of his life. And this is the beginning of him calling those men to follow him. And he calls them, but he invites them into a miracle. They're fishing, and he he does something significant where he goes, go and and keep fishing, something's going to happen. And they're like, we don't really want to. And they go And they end up catching this massive amount of fish, and it is miraculous. And as a result of that, they go, okay, I don't entirely know who you are, but I want to give my life to follow you. And then Jesus is interacting with other people. He's interacting with people that are sick, and he interacts with someone who has leprosy. Jesus, at this point, is blowing up in his ministry. He's healing healing people. He heals this man of leprosy, which is a horrific illness. And he heals this man. And you know what he says to him after giving a few instructions? He goes, don't tell anyone. Now just picture this. You have leprosy. Take, Take your pick of something so significant that would change your whole life that we have in 2022. You have that. Jesus heals you. And then he goes, keep it to yourself, though. You think you'd be able to? I hope not. Like, I think all of us would be going, oh, I'll just tell a couple of people. And so, so this man, as you can imagine, starts telling people. He starts talking to people about Jesus and what Jesus has done for him. And this is where we find ourselves in verse 15. But despite Jesus' instructions, the report of his power spread even faster. And vast crowds came to hear him preach and to be healed of their diseases. But Jesus often withdrew to the wilderness for prayer. We've talked about this language at Collective of being apprentices. And I think it's helpful for us. Maybe you've used the language of discipleship. But I want us to be thinking apprenticeship because apprenticeship is a more active an active sense of, I'm going to sit under Jesus and learn to become more and more like him. There's three things that we look at as a framework, as apprentices. We want to be with Jesus. Like, we want to spend time with Jesus. We want to be with Jesus. We want to become like Jesus. And then we want to do what he did. We want to be with him, spend time with him, become more and more like him, and then model our lives with what he did, do what he actually did. Because as apprentices, it's not valuable if we go, well, that's what Jesus did. I don't have to do that. No, we want to do what Jesus did. But we don't want to just start with that. We don't want to start with just doing more and more and more. We want to spend time with him, become more like him, have our hearts transformed and shaped to become more and more like him, and then do what he did. This represents our lens that we should use for our life and as we engage in scripture. What does it look like to be with Jesus? What does it look like to become like him? What does it look like to do what he said? What does that mean in in the context of what we're reading? 
In this, we sit at his feet. We sit at the feet of our master as Jesus, as apprentices, and we go, we want to learn from you. We want to be with you and see what you want to do in us. In this little passage, we find Jesus standing in direct opposition of cultural values that we have. Like, think about the win for many people's lives today. For many, many people, the win is the crowd. We just go, okay, if I can blow up on TikTok, if I can become a social media influencer, if I can start a YouTube video, a YouTube channel and become a famous YouTuber, that's success. If I can get a large amount of people who just go, what's, what's he thinking next? What's he wondering about this? What's his perspective? If I can just build that, then I have experienced success. Maybe that's not a personal struggle, but we see it in culture all around us. This desperation for this platform where other people, this mix of people would tell us and affirm to us, you're good enough. We see you. We value you. Please teach us. Let us do what you're asking us to do. And so as we think about that cultural value, it's not just a cultural value in 2022. It was also a value in Jesus' day where there was this draw and drive for attention. If I can build a crowd, then I will feel like I've got enough. And what do we find in Jesus who builds this crowd? People, he's telling people, don't tell other people, and they just keep, they can't even help it, and more and more people are drawn to him. What does Jesus do in response to this? In verse 16, he, but Jesus often withdrew to the wilderness for prayer. I want to really, really hammer that, just that one line home because it's so significant. Jesus actually chooses the wilderness. He actually chooses the wilderness. Last week, I had a little line that I threw out where I was saying, don't waste the wilderness. Wilderness can be a moment for testing and teaching and proving so don't don't waste that but but even more than that let me dovetail with that more than that not just don't waste the wilderness according to Jesus we actually are invited to choose the wilderness that we actually get to look at the wilderness and go I'm picking that I'm going there I'm choosing the wilderness that's the invitation and challenge for us as Jesus followers as apprentices of Jesus, to choose, actively choose the wilderness. And can I just be, like, fully honest? That makes no sense to me. Like, as, as just a normal, rational human being, I go, that seems counterintuitive, especially if I'm thinking about all that Jesus has done. Like, I think about it from the lens of the church, and I go, what, what Jesus is doing is significant. He's healing people. He's, he's de- declaring that he is the Messiah to this group of people, and more people are coming Jesus, why would you see all the sense of outside success and your response be to choose the wilderness? Like it makes very little sense to me and I think to us. Because there's this part that we go, well, things are going well. There's momentum. There's buzz. So don't we want to leverage that? Like don't we want to go after that? Don't we want to make sure that we're not missing out on anything? And I think that happens in our own lives. I think sometimes we can operate at this pace where things are happening and we don't want to disrupt it because we're so afraid. What if we lose it? Like, what if, what if I mess it up? What if something happens? What if, what if I'm the one that's actually in control and I somehow screw it up? For some of us, we struggle with FOMO. We don't want to miss out. We struggle with that fear of missing out. And so we go, I don't want to miss anything. So I say yes to everything. And I live this frenetic life and frenetic pace. And, but I don't want to miss something. And we find ourselves. I'm going to set it down there. <laughs> we find ourselves living at a pace that is not sustainable. And so we bring, when we, read, when we read the Bible and we come to Jesus, we find all these things that we're reading our cultural language into it. And so what do we see from Jesus in all of this? We see that he is so concerned about God that all the other stuff just does not matter at all. He is so laser focused on who God is and what God has invited him to do that the other stuff does not matter at all. Which is convicting, I think. For me, it's certainly convicting. There's another passage that Jesus is talking, and he's talking to his disciples about how to pray. They're like, teach us how to pray. 
And one of the things that he talks about in this prayer, and it's famous, is he's inviting God and he's saying, God, your will be done. Your will be done. That is where Jesus is so laser focused. I want your will, God. I want to do exactly what you want me to do. Jesus spends his life living smack dab in the center of God's will. Doing youth ministry, we were, Lee and I were youth pastors in Calgary, and, and between that and even now, we have constant conversations with people that are asking the question, how do I discover God's will? How do I discern God's will? How do I know I'm in God's will? What, what do I do with that? How do I make sure that I'm in God's will? We find this in Jesus. Jesus actually gives us a reasonably simple and yet not easy answer to that question. Choose time in the wilderness. Spend time away with God. Spend time actually asking God for his will. Make sure that you are prioritizing that time away with God. You want to know how to discover God's will? Start choosing the wilderness. Start actually choosing to go into the wilderness. But that begs a question. What are we talking about here? Are we talking about actual literal wilderness? Yeah, maybe. But this is actually more than that. If you're looking at some of the original language, what is, what is it speaking of that Jesus is retreating into or drawing into the wilderness or the desert? The idea is that he's going to solitary places. He's going to places without people, still places, places where he could be alone. Okay, so the invitation is for us to find places where we can be alone. And all of the introverts in the room, in their heads, said amen. Because <laughs> they're not going to say it out that. They're like, amen. That's places without people. That sounds wonderful. That, that's something that we're invited to do is find places where we can be alone where we can find solitude. If we want to actually follow the way of Jesus, we have to choose time in the wilderness. We need time away from all the noise, all the the noise that's constantly happening. Jesus often withdrew to the wilderness for prayer. Okay, but here's the challenge for all of us, including the introverts, because I had you with time away from people. You're like, yes, But this isn't just time away from people just to be away from people. This is time where you're actually fully present, where you actually have to be fully present with your internal dialogue and your thoughts, and you can't just distract yourself away from dealing with whatever you're feeling. means you actually need, are you ready, time without your phone, like actual scheduled regular time without your phone. We desperately need active time away from our phones. We need that. We need to go into some of it literal desert, some of it literal wilderness, and some of it figurative. We need to go to solitary places where we can actually be away from all the noise. Now, I am not suggesting you leave your phone at home you drive 500 kilometers in the middle of northern Ontario and you just go, well, let's see what happens. I don't need water. I barely have snow pants. It'll be fine. If you're hearing me say that, you are mishearing me. Please don't do that. Like, but what I am suggesting is what would it look like for you to go and set some time aside on a regular basis to, to tell people that you're going somewhere and then to leave your phone? To find a place where you can get away and leave your phone. And I know some of you are thinking, like, do you know what the weather's been like this week? Yes. It was so cold on Friday, we couldn't even start our cars. Okay? I I know. It's cold. Some of us, you go, suck it up and put on your winter clothes. Some of us, I go, maybe it's not so good that you go and it's minus 20. Like, maybe that's, but here's what we do. We go, Tyler's, it's too cold, so I can't spend time with God this week. Maybe when it warms up, then... I'll, like the wilderness thing, yeah, 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 that sounds great. Maybe I'll do that once it's warm and sunny and convenient for me. But that's not the choice. That's not the invitation. It certainly isn't the challenge here. What would it look like to embrace and to find some of this wilderness in the midst of whatever we're going through? So maybe you go, I'm not going out anywhere. 
What would it look like for you to leave your phone in the opposite side of your house? And turn it on silent. Because we've all been like, I'll turn my phone and you hear like, and you're like, I should just check. I should just check what it is. It's probably something important. Oh, no, it's not. Okay. It's a coupon from something. Or it's a flip notification. Why am I... So what would it look like for you to take your phone and put it in the opposite side of your house or your apartment? What would it look like for you to take a walk outside and leave your phone at home? What would it look like for you to go somewhere? Maybe it's a park. Maybe there's a place that you go to, even if it's cold and it's, it's life-giving for you. What would it look like for you to do that and leave your phone in the car? What would it look like for you to take a drive? Like, that's one of the things for me. I drive, especially because I, I have this old truck that has a standard transmission, and, and I feel like I can be fully present as I'm driving that thing. That's time that I often spend with God. But what would it look like to do that and to put your phone in the glove compartment on silent? Not like in the side or in the cup holder where you're like, well, I'll just take a quick peek, see if I got anything. To actually put it away. To create, artificially to create some space where we can actually be present. If we want to follow the way of Jesus and actually do what Jesus did, we need to find time like this in the wilderness. We need time away from all the noise, all the distractions, all of the things that are happening. And it causes us to reflect, hopefully, why is it so hard for us? Like, why is it so hard culturally? Most of us are addicted to our phones. Why is it so hard for us? Because I think at some level, we're really uncomfortable with actually being present with our own thoughts. Just easier to go, if I can just fill my, stuff, if, fill my mind with other things, then I'm good. I think it, it's, it's hard for us to be fully present and actually allow ourselves and our brains to begin to process some of the things that we're dealing with. And every time that we feel these moments of maybe it's boredom or maybe it's I actually have thoughts that I need to reconcile or think through, it's like a nervous tick where you're like, I think my phone is vibrating. I think I just, I'll just check. I'll just see if something's going on. It's like this part of us that wants to avoid and, and, and make sure we don't have to deal with some things that are difficult. I recently started a book called Amusing Ourselves to Death. And it's been, it's been fascinating. It speaks to this idea that we've moved from this exchange of ideas to an exchange of images. That we're fixated, fixated on entertaining ourselves. We, everything that we do, even anything that's meant to, enter, meant to educate has shifted into just entertain, 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 and we're amusing ourselves to death. And that idea struck with, stuck with me. It struck me. This amusing ourselves to death. And I think, it's that, I think that's true, but I think it's even more than that. I think we're distracting ourselves to death. Like, I think we just distract, 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 avoid, 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 avoid. Like, try. Try to be still with yourself for 15 minutes. It's tough because you're like, you know, and I, I've been there where I still am often there where I go, it's 50, I'm like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be still for 15 minutes. And then I'm like checking Where's my phone? Is it charging? Is it good? Why am I hungry? Why is the heat on? Like all these things that your brain, because your brain, it's like you just want to find other things to distract yourselves instead of actually being present and doing some of the hard work of going, God, why do I feel like this? What's going on in my soul? What are the, the things that I'm wrestling with? Where do I feel tension? Where am I not trusting you? And all those things are like, I don't want to deal with that right now. Maybe if I just mindlessly consume other stuff and distract myself, then I'll feel better. If you're, like, if you're like most of us, myself included, you have this moderate to severe addiction to your phone. And there's this part that I'm like, when did that even happen? Like, I was late to the game of having a cell phone. I had a BlackBerry at one point. I'm like, how did I get to this point? The other day, I caught myself. I was watching TV, laying on the couch, with my laptop in my lap, on my phone, <laughs> by myself. Like, it wasn't like Lee was in there and I didn't want to watch something with her. By myself. And I'm like, wow, what happened? I used to make fun of my mom all the time because she'd watch TV, uh, and we only had one, and she'd watch TV and she'd have her magazine in her lap and she'd be reading it. I'd be like, why, why, just go read your magazine. Why do you have to have background noise? Well, turns out I've one-upped her in adulthood. And I'm, I'm not exactly proud of it. Like, I don't look at that and go, wow, 
We're really progressing as a culture. I'm doing so well. I look at that and go, what is wrong with me? And I think I just feel that pull sometimes. It's like if I can just get enough stuff to distract me. Like I'm convinced I could be sitting there watching TV with my laptop and my phone in my hand and go, I wonder if I could eat with my other hand. (laughs) Right? Multitasking. Because it's so hard for us to find space to actually be still. We want to, I think we want to avoid the hard and uncomfortable feelings that we sometimes wrestle with, the things that are in our minds, the things that are in our heart. We want to avoid those things. We want to distract ourselves and pretend like those don't exist. And the truth is that those things become loud when we are still and we are silent. They've been trying to get our attention and we've been trying to shut them down and just pretend like they don't exist. But when we are still And when we are silent, they come to the surface. I think a lot about how there's this uh, epidemic of mental health for many of us. Many people that, especially through COVID, it, it exposed some things that we haven't been doing very well. And I wonder if some of that is because we could distract ourselves into avoid pretending like we were all good and everything was perfect until we couldn't anymore. And then we're forced to confront these feelings. And some of us go, I don't like this. This is hard. This is difficult. I want to just, I want to feel good. I want momentary. I want to just be released from some of that. I don't want to feel this all the time. And we find ourselves in this tension. It's important for us that we create space actively. If you want to look for, for an action step in your life to actually think, what does it mean to create space where I can be still and silent? And I'm not suggesting starting with two and a half hours every single day where you're like, I'm going to be still and silent for two and a half hours because you'll inevitably, it, you're, you're reconditioning yourself and it'll be, you'll be like, I'm a failure, I just won't do any of it. But what would it look like to do little bits where we are still and we are silent, where we can address some of the, maybe the unaddressed hurts in our soul or the maybe the unmet expectations or the frustrations or whatever is going on, what would it look like to actually create space to be still and silent? But I want to remind you that that time is not just to have time by yourself. It's not just like you might hear some of that and go, okay, so I just need to find time to be by myself. That's not not the goal. Because especially through COVID, we found lots of time to be by ourselves. Unless you have kids, (laughs) then you have no time by yourself. Until they go to bed and then you're by yourself. But what do we do? Kids go to bed and we don't find time to go, okay, God, I want to be still and silent with you. No, we just go, I'm going to check my phone. I'm going to do other stuff. I'm going to distract myself until it's bedtime and then I'm going to do it all again. It's not just about finding time to be still and silent just for our own benefit. It's about spending time being still and silent to spend that time with God. This is not me time that I'm advocating for. You just need a little you time. No. You need a lot of he time. You need time with God. You need time where you're actively with him, still and silent, spending time with God. This is time that we can pray. Prayer for us as Christians is an ongoing two-way conversation with God. And I know sometimes we get it all twisted because we go, Prayer needs to sound, like if you listen to certain people on our team that are on the prayer team, when they pray, you're like, I don't do that. (laughs) Like it sounds so good and I'm convinced God listens more. Can I just let you know that's not true? That God wants you. So if if you're honestly about all you have is God help, God goes, perfect, I can work with that. God's not asking you to have all the nice religious words. He's not asking you to come to him with all the perfect theological statements. He's saying, come with your heart. Come with you. Bring you to me. We have an opportunity in this time of prayer to ask, God, do this in my life. I need you to move in this way. We have an opportunity to listen. Oh, God, what are you trying to say to me? And we have an opportunity to thank him for all that he's done. Have you ever noticed how those things get twisted up and we do a lot of asking? Very few of us do a lot of listening and not a ton of thanking. Like I noticed that in my own life. I'm asking, 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 asking. And if I'm not careful, I'm not really thanking God and I don't create any space where God can actually whisper anything to me. Like it's part of my wiring too. I'm I'm like reading the Bible going, okay, God, 
I, I want to hear from you, so I'm willing to, I'm willing to listen to whatever you want to say. And then I give him like 15 seconds, and I go, anything you want to say about anything? Another like 12 seconds. Ah, you know, I'll just read ahead. I'll just read ahead. Like I create no space. Why? Because I'm uncomfortable. Part of it is I'm uncomfortable. I'll be fully honest. I'm uncomfortable because what if he doesn't say anything? Like, if you listen to anyone and 100% of the time they're con- God's just speaking audibly all the time, I'm like, wow, I don't know those people. <laughs> sometimes God speaks, sometimes he doesn't, but I want to give him space and room. Like, I want to make sure that, that we are a people that actually creates environments for us to, to hear from God. We, as Christians, actually get to talk to the creator of the universe. Do we understand how significant that is? Do I understand? I think sometimes I get so comfortable that I go, God listens to me, he wants to hear. Do I understand how massive that is? Or do I go, I'm a little too busy today to spend some time with you, God? I got a lot going on, a lot on my plate. Like I find that so often, this pull, like I just, I got, I, I'm busy. And God actually is saying to each one of us, me included, I wanna talk to you. I wanna hear from you. I want to walk with you. And what's our response so often? Maybe when it's more convenient for me. Maybe when, you know, at some point. Yeah, Monday. Monday I will pray, and then Monday seems to never come. We find ourselves lacking the the one thing that we desperately need in our lives. Look at Jesus' example. Jesus often withdrew to the wilderness for prayer. Often. Time that we're regularly spending with God. And you know the game I play? Is how often is often, really? How often can I get away with that? It's not too often, but it's often enough. I'm like, you know, and I compare. Anyone else, if you're being honest, we all compare. So you go, most people don't, like, don't do it like once a week. So uh, that's pretty often. Every day? That seems quite often. Oh, wait, multiple times a day? You're like, that seems like to be overboard. And you play the game of like, how little can I do to connect with God? Maybe, maybe you don't do that instinctively, like you're not making that decision, but that is often how we behave. We're like, how little really do I need to connect with God? To be good, so we're good. So I kind of get what I want, but it doesn't cost me anything. How little can I do? I find this pull and, and you're living your life and you're doing your own thing and you're not connecting with the, the source of life. If that's our heart, and let's be honest, there's times that that is our heart, we need to be willing to actually confront that. And go, God, here's where I am. I, I, I want to do this, but I'm struggling to do it and I feel like I'm too busy and I give myself every out that I can and I make every excuse that I can, but I, I don't want this help me. Like maybe, just maybe, the most significant thing we could do is actually to get gut level honest with God about how we're doing and where we're responding. Not to feel like, wow, I'm a giant failure, I should just give up, but instead to be reminded that God is standing on the other side with his arms outstretched going, come back. Let's rebuild this together. Let's take steps together. Don't stay where you are. My encouragement would be if you recognize there's a distance there, distance there, or there's excuses, don't just live in that. Come to God and go, God, help me. We're going to have our prayer team that's at the back of the room after the service or online. And if you go, I just, I need to pray with someone. I need help in that. I need to pray that God would move and, and just shake something in me. We would love to pray with you. Here's the significant thing I want you to understand as Christians. You can't possibly expect to give to others what you haven't received first. Like we can't can't live our lives hoping for something that we're not actually going to God to receive. You know what, I really, I need to tell people about Jesus, or I need to live my life differently, but we don't actually spend time with the source of that life and wonder why there seems to be this disconnect Jesus, in the midst of all these amazing things, is withdrawing intentionally to spend time with God in prayer. And I think so often we're obsessed with the public side of things. How do we get perceived? What do people see? We're obsessed with the seen side of 
things. What we find in Jesus is that it's significant what happens in the secret. It's significant what happens in the hidden places. It's significant what's happening where no one sees us. The real power as Christians, it actually is developed and grown in secret when no one else is watching, when no one else is looking going, oh, wow, look how spiritual you are. When it's you by yourself with God and you alone, the two of you together going, God, I need you. I need you to move in my life. I need you. I can't do this without you. That's where real power develops. We as Christians, we live for the audience of one. That idea means our goal is not to please anyone else except for God. So we, if, if, if Jesus lived in the center of God's will, he knew what would please God. He did it by actively spending time in the wilderness praying. We need to make sure we're doing that. We need to make sure that we're in, actively in the will of God going, God, I want you and only you, what you want and only that. I don't care about all the other stuff. I need you to purge me of all the things that I'm trying to please everyone else. I need you. And as we live like that, some things change in our lives. Charles Spurgeon, who's a famous preacher, says this, the power of God will only rest upon us in proportion as we draw near to God. Let me just remind you, the power of God will only rest upon us in proportion, in direct proportion, as we draw near to God. And then this line, man, it stuck with me. Neglect of private prayer is the locust which devours the strength of the church. Oh, man. And you think about that and you go, I see it. And I'll be honest, I, I live that sometimes where I go, I, I spend so much time doing all these other things. God, I'm doing what you're asking me to do. What does my private prayer look like? Like, what does it look like when I'm not seen, when no one sees me, when no one hears me? What does that look like? If that's where real power com- comes from, and I believe that, and if it's the thing that we notice kind of eating away at the significant power of the church, we should pay attention to that, and it should cause us to reflect and go, what do I do with that? Like, what do I do about that? It should change how we pray, pr- how we pray. We see something significant that I think is so important in the life of Jesus. The demands of life actually draw him to prayer, not away from it. The frenetic pace of life doesn't cause him to go, I'm too busy. It actually goes, I have to spend time with God. This is the paradigm shift that needs to happen in our lives. I'm busy, therefore I need to get away to the wilderness with God. Things are going well, therefore I need to get away and go and be with God. Things are moving at a pace that is, that is amazing, and I'm watching things happen, things in my personal life or my, my family life, and I'm going, that's amazing. I need to spend time with God in prayer, not just when things are bad, not just when things go poorly, but actually letting the demands of our life draw us closer to God. At the core, we have this cultural love of activity. We just want to be active, and I don't mean physically active. Like, we want to have a lot going on, and we have bought into the lie that just activity will somehow lead us to productivity. If I just do enough stuff, like a frenetic chicken with its head cut off, then maybe I'll produce something of value. But activity does not just instinctively lead to productivity. We can be active and yet accomplish nothing We've seen that in each of our lives where we go, I'm so, I just am running at this pace and yet nothing seems to be coming out of it. I mean, think about the response that we often give or get when we ask someone, how are you doing? Pretty busy. How's it going? Oh, stuff's pretty, it's a busy season, busy season. Uh, things are really busy, with the kids and work, work's busy. We're busy, busy, busy. And, and what's hilarious is even with COVID, when none of us were actually busy, we still felt busy. We're like, I just, I just, there's stuff and there's things and I got, and you're like, there's no sense of rest in any of that. We're busy, 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 and yet accomplishing very little. We look at our lives and go, okay, so all the effort that I put in, what's the outcome? Am I happy with it? Like, is it actually moving in the right direction? Am I doing anything of value or am I just filling my life with more and more noise, more and more distractions? 
More and more amusement, more stuff that would allow me to avoid the stuff that I really need to do because it's too hard. As Jesus followers, we are reminded that activity is not the goal. Jesus teaches us that we can be active and doing significant things for Jesus. He was healing people, drawing people to him, and also prioritizing intimacy with God. Spending time with God, close to God, listening to God, asking God, thanking God. And that doesn't just happen accidentally. We're not active and if we're just active with no, with no direction and then we become active and close to God. It doesn't work like that. We can be busy and not doing what God asks us to do. We can be outside of God's will for our life and just so busy and feel like even I'm doing the things you asked me to do but we never even asked him, is this what you want me to do? We're like, I'm just going to assume you're going to bless what I already want to do. And the invitation for us is something better than that. Now, for my visual learners, oh, I even dented it. That sucks. For my visual learners, okay, anyone ever had a water bottle that you leave in your car for way too long? Okay, you leave it in your car, and there's a little bit of liquid in there. And you're like, you know when you open it, you better face it away from you. And suddenly water that was not carbonated, somehow you open it, it's like, you're like, something growing in there. <laughs> like, have you ever noticed the, the dysfunction that develops in this because it's, got, it's not exposed to air at all? And so all that's in the, there, the bacteria is in there, it's just growing, 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 and Man, it gets gross, and it gets funky, and, and something that was intended to bring life, something that was filled up with water is actually polluted and, and in a way, poisoned, where you look at it and go, um, this was intended to be a good thing, but it is not anymore. It's just kind of sat there, percolating in its own dysfunction. It's this reminder for us, and I want us to think about this in our own lives. Our lives as Christians was always meant to be poured out. It was not meant to be lived like this, where we just shut off from everyone, we shut off from God, we shut off from community, we go, hopefully this will all be sorted out. Yeah, throw it on the ground. If I, if I deal with difficult things, it'll be fine. If I, can just, if I can just keep to myself and do it my own way, our life is meant to be poured out. We find that in Jesus's Example, we need, as Christians, we need to serve others. We need to share our faith. We need to give generously. We need to care for people in need. Jesus is not sitting around waiting for ministry to happen. He is active. He is healing people. People are drawn to him. He is pouring his life out for the sake of others. But some of us that are Jesus followers, we live like our lids are closed, and we go, uh, I'm going to just consume but I'm not going to contribute anything. I'm not going to pour my life out. And what we notice is as we do that for longer and longer, I've been around people that the longer they do that, the more we see dysfunction develop in their life because they're not exposed to community and to God shaping them in community. They're, they're just left to percolate. And so some of the things that were in there, listen, all of us are imperfect. All of us have things in areas of growth, all of us. Well, if we close the lid tight just to protect everything, what happens is the stuff that's imperfect just begins to percolate. And so the invitation we see from Jesus is we live our lives poured out for the sake of others. This is what it means to live as a Christ follower. And if that's you, if you go, you know what, I've got the lid on, screwed on tight, I'm just protecting myself, I don't want you to stay there. I would love for you to connect with someone on the team and say, what does it look like for me to take some steps in that direction? Some of us are not that. Some of us are not the ones with the lid completely screwed on tight. Some of us are the ones that we go, I'm pouring my life out all the time. I'm pouring it out for the sake of others. I'm making sure I'm serving others, I'm caring for others, I'm giving, 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 giving but we're not actually restoring and filling it up again. So we feel like we're in the wilderness, but we made it that way. Because we're going, I'm just gonna pour it all out. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll wet this dry ground instead of going to the one who's actually the source of our life, the one who offers living water, the one that we desperately need. 
And so you go, I just feel like I'm being used all the time, but we're not going back to God to be restored, to be refilled. We have to pour our life out, but if we pour our life out and do not go back to the source of it, we will find ourselves running on empty. And so many of us feel this way. This is why it is a reminder when we look at Jesus, we do not go back to the source only when things are awful. We go back when things are good. We go often to the wilderness to pray. We go often back. This is what we see with Jesus. He poured out his life and then he constantly went back to the source like a never-ending mountain spring water and would fill up his cup again and go, now I can go and do what you're asking me to do. I know what you're asking me to do and it is significant and it is hard, but I can do it because I am being filled by you. And then I pour my, my life out and I go back again to the source and so many of us are pouring our life out and we do not regularly go back to the source that fills us. We look at our lives and go, is this it? It feels so hard. And following Jesus is not easy, but I think sometimes we make it more difficult on ourselves than we should. My hope would be, even this week as you begin to reflect, that the next time you see a water bottle, that you go, yeah, what's my life look like right now? Am I like where the, the lid's on so tight that it's just brewing dysfunction? Am I like the, the empty water bottle that has nothing left? Or am I actually finding myself going back to the source of life and filling up my life, filling up my tank? This is why it's so important for us. And here's, here's the thing that's significant that I really want to make sure you know. It's not enough to know this. You need to do something with it. Because this is our problem sometimes as Christians. We can listen and we're like, that's really good. Yeah, that's a good, good idea. I'm not going to integrate it to my life, but that's a good, good idea. Jesus often withdrew to prayer. Yeah, that's great that he does that. That probably would be really good. But I'm not going to. See, the encouragement, and, and let me just be clear. This is not something that I'm just challenging you on. This is something I, I go, I feel challenged on. What does this actually look like? What are some small steps that I could take right now to actually do this? Maybe for me, it's what does it look like to be putting time, creating space to actually spend time with God, to choosing wilderness, to choosing that space? We cannot treat prayer as a complete afterthought. We can't just act like it's something that we should do, something that's a good idea for the sake of other people. We need to actually integrate it in our life. And for those of us that, that are going, you know what, I just need more me time, I just want to remind you, you can't self-care your way to closeness with God. Take care of yourself, yes, please. Taking care of yourself is significant. But if you're always taking care of yourself and not actually going to the source of the one who gives life, then you're just doing this. And you'll self-care yourself and you'll take care of yourself and you'll still find yourself running on empty. We need to spend active time with God. We need to. What does often look like in your life? Jesus often got away to the wilderness for prayer. What does often look like in your life? What's the action step? And not for Monday, today. What's the thing that you do today? Where do you hide your phone today? Where do you spend time with God today? Where do you bundle up and take a walk today? What does it actually look like today? We want to give a little 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 glimmer of that in our worship. And so even as we respond in worship, we want to create a little bit of space for you to do that. But don't just wait for other people to create moments for you. Create those moments in your own life. So what's your next step? I always want us to be a people that, that understands. I want to be thinking about how does it impact my thinking, how does it change my heart, and how does it cause me to do something with it? What, it, what does it look like to actually apply this? Because the beautiful thing is each one of you heard something different. Each one of you, something stuck, and you're like, oh, man, that's me. I need to do that. Was <laughs> Lean into that. And in prayer, ask God. Maybe it's even as we worship. Ask God, God, what are you asking me to do? Or what do you want me to do as my next step? And then think about something small that you can begin to do. Maybe it's just admitting, I'm so busy and I'm addicted to it. I'm addicted to activity. I'm avoiding some difficult things. Maybe you need to pray with the prayer team who will be at the back near the drapes. Do you go, I just need someone to pray with me. I'm not, in, I'm not really sure what to do or where to go. I need other people to stand 
with me. Maybe you go, I need to get more involved. Like, I need to be part of this. I need to pour out my life for the sake of others. We'd love to connect with you at the next step table. Maybe you're going, I, I just, I need to be filled up more and more. We'd love to talk to you and help you to figure out what that could look like. Maybe this week, maybe today, maybe this week, you need to take some radical steps to go into the wilderness. Lee was looking, I think the, the forecast for one of the days this week is zero, right? And so one of the days this week is going to be really warm. What would it look like to take a walk with God without your phone? <laughs> what would it look like to go, God, I'm going to give you some time? Or maybe God's challenging you, don't wait till it's warm. And you need to go take a walk today. And it'll be cold. And God goes, perfect. Let me be your sufficiency. Let me be your source. In co-groups this week, we're going to be talking through some of this. And my encouragement would be, if you're in a co-group, make sure you're sharing. This is what I'm sensing God's asking me to do. Okay, we talk about accountability in the church. We want to be accountable to each other. The only way accountability works is if we actually share honestly and then commit to following through. And so we share in our co-groups, hey, I need to create some actual time to pray. I need to do, here's what I'm looking at doing. What do you think? And then will you, will you ask me how it's going? As a group, will you share that? That is so significant. It helps us to walk this thing out. Because what can happen is you can be in this room and go, I should do that, and then leave, and the, the, the cold air hits you, and you go, next week. <laughs> Don't wait. We're going to worship in a moment, but before we do, let's pray. God, I am so grateful that you are with us, that you speak to us, that you guide us. Help us to know that we have a part to play in this, that we can spend time with you. But also, as we give you time, I pray that that would not return void, that it wouldn't just be about time that we spend where it seems like you're quiet or silent. God, speak to us. Remind us. Encourage us. Challenge us. God, we need you. We need you as the source of our life every moment of every single day. Forgive us. Forgive me for the times that I've allowed that to become secondary, where it's like I'm too busy doing work for you, that I'm not spending time with you. God, we need you. And all that we do flows out of that. It can't just be about us being active as Christians. We want to be active in what you're asking us to do in your will. God, show us, guide us, lead us. For those of us in the room that need to pray with someone, give us the courage to go and pray with someone on the team. For those online, same thing. God, we need you to move. We love you so much. In Jesus' name, amen. If you'd like more information on Collective Church, find us on social media at This Is Collective Church or reach us on our website, collectivechurch.ca. Thank you for listening, and we hope to see you Sunday.